episode 275 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is your Thursday edition, and I am Paul Sporer. Joined, as always, on Thursdays by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going, man? Ah, it's going good. It's going good. It's good to hear. We're, we're about to wrap up yet another week. I feel like the weeks are just melting rapidly. They're just going by so quickly. A lot of t- you know, it, it's a weekend to really get honest with your fantasy teams and decide, are you really in this? Because, uh, you know, some people will look at the standings and, and, and think that leads are, are more achievable than they are. And uh, you just got to kind of have some honest moments with yourself. We're actually going to talk about a big end game strategy here. You know, obviously it, it is kind of the time is running out. There's much more sand in the bottom of the hourglass that is the 2015 season than there is in the top. But there are still plenty of our listeners that are chasing down the titles. And it's tough to kind of give an advantage, you know, find advantages right now. And, you know, we're not always writing on stuff that says, hey, you can you can go apply this to your waiver wire right now because it's hard. It's just not enough time. But there is one strategy um, that you can do, and that's look ahead. And you can try to start to map things out and maybe find some guys who've got some favorable matchups. Or maybe some guys with some unfavorable matchups that maybe it's time to jump ship on these guys. Maybe even what would seem preemptively, but you're just trying to beat the the, the potential destruction that could be coming for them. So we've got many more favorable than unfavorable. We're going to talk about these guys. They're going to be varying degrees of availability and usefulness. A lot of them won't necessarily be on the waiver wire, but they might be guys that you're putting in and out of your, your, your mixed league rosters. And so we're going to help you decide which way you should go with it. So, you know, let's let's start with some favorable guys. We've got plenty of guys here who are going to finish up very nicely. Um, Julio Tehran is one who I think is actually going to finish up pretty well. First off, he's got three starts at home. And if you've been following him at all this year, you know that home is, is really where he's excelled. He started kind of getting it together on the road a bit. Uh, and, and and then fell off again. He's, he's been very frustrating this year. It's been very annoying to watch Tehran. But if you just isolate his homework, uh, his, his uh, homework, his home starts, he's got a 324 <laughs> ERA and a 107 whip with eight strikeouts per nine, so 79 strikeouts in 89 innings, and he's 7-2 and two as well. So even that terrible team is, is supporting him to a quality record. On the road uh, in 86 innings, he's got a 557 ERA and a 159 uh, whip. It's been brutal. Only seven strikeouts per nine. Uh, good for 68 in those eight, 85 and two-thirds innings. So it's just been a tale of, of you know two sides there, home and away for him. So he's got three at home, does Tehran, and then his other game is at Miami. So you like that. Even though he's going on the road, that's the best venue you can get. Now there is one danger bit at home. One of those starts is against Toronto, but like I said, he's been great at home, and he's been great in the past. Tehran's somebody that I've tried to stay on board with all year and, and, and ride out these these tough ones because we, we saw two you know, pretty much elite-level seasons, 2013-2014. For him to collapse this year was weird, so kind of stuck by him. I would actually start him all four of these starts the rest of the way. Uh, yes, even the one against Toronto, maybe I'm crazy. Obviously, your, your your situation may vary. If you're really tight ERA and, and whip race, I totally get avoiding a, a risk like that. But if you're just kind of chasing, uh, you know, more of a hail mary situation, you just need to get as much good pitching as you can. I'm using Tehran in all four of these starts. What do you think? I might uh, I might sit him in Tehran. I, the nice thing is that of course they lose one of the big hitters. Um, you know, they usually exactly. have somebody 
this, they usually have somebody at DH or they have to put Edwin in the field. Um, either way, that's that could be an advantage. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that Tehran has, has struggled with this year is um, uh, is the home run. Um, you know, and as things get hot uh, in, in Atlanta, um, I mean, they've been getting hot, but, you know, well, a hot yeah, Atlanta. They're going to stay hot. Yeah, they're going to, you know, it's, um, you know, hot Atlanta could play a little differently. And also he's been uh, going to his four seam more and more as the season has gone on. And, um, you know, I don't really like that. I don't I mean, I don't understand what's going on with that. I mean, last year he kind of had a hump where he went to the four seam more in the middle of the season and then the end of the season uh, started using it again. So maybe uh, he's just sort of uh, kind of playing with uh, his pitching mix and we'll see some more change ups and sliders um, as the season goes uh, to an end, but um, yeah, I, I I struggle with him. I don't really know what the issue is. Um, you know, to some extent, you know, I wonder if maybe just we thought he was better than he was. I mean, if you just look at his strikeout rates and um, you know his stuff, it's it's good. But without him using the change in the slider a lot more, um, and, and with him depending so much on the four seam, that's you know. Far. Honestly, a little bit straight is yeah. a little bit straight, and you know, is not like a standout uh, fat forcing in terms of velocity. It's pretty much average. Um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know. Maybe we just uh, overvalued him early on because of a little bit of you know good luck and unfamiliarity with the league and better command, honestly. So, um, I'm interested to see what he does going forward. I like that his schedule is good. If he's an actual waiver wire pickup, uh, there, there probably isn't a lot better than that. I like maybe the next guy uh, as probably the, the number one uh, pickup if he's if he's available to you. Well, let, let's let's talk about that guy. And there is a chance that he might be uh, in some leagues, and it, it's gonna be it's gonna be your ten your ten team mixers. But I doubt it. I, I hope everyone's gotten on board, gotten over their their hatred for Justin Verlander for you know a period of time. <laughs> I, when I when I hear him gets talked about Verlander, they say you know I, they, I hear things like these last several bad years. Okay, let's dial that garbage down quite a bit here because it's one bad year. It was 2014. That was a bad year through and through. There's no sugarcoating it. There wasn't even the strikeouts. The WHIP was a nightmare at 140. The 454 ERA. That's bad. You got 15 Ws for your 206 innings. That's the only redeeming quality there uh, that you could possibly come up with for 2014. But please do not try to lump 2013 in as a quote-unquote bad season. I know, I know, you know, 3.46 ERA. The, the WHIP was still high at 132, but he was still striking out a batter per inning in 218 innings. Thank you. So. Stop with that noise. It's been one bad year. He's rebounded after a tough start, a late start in 2015. And now Verlander's really, you know, not quite looked like the the peak, peak version where he was MVP and Cy Young. But he's looked like a, a, a pretty reasonable representation of, of the very good Justin Verlander that we're used to. He's got a 178 ERA. 57 strikeouts and 65 and two-thirds innings over his last nine starts. So the strikeouts aren't uh, at the peak where they used to be, strikeout per inning or better. But the ERA and whip, the command of his stuff has been much better. And he ends, um, as you guys are going to learn quickly here, it's a lot of in-division play uh, to, in this final month. So teams that are in weaker divisions or, or have offenses with uh, – have divisions with a few weaker offenses – 
are going to be the ones that line up here for favorable. He goes at Cleveland, at Minnesota, home to the White Sox and Twins, and then back at the White Sox to finish off. So Cleveland's not too bad. Twins can can do some things, but they're, they're not scary. And then the White Sox are out and out bad, even though they've got a couple good hitters. So first off, it's five starts, which you love. Uh, most guys are, are right around four right now. It's between four and five, really. So you like that. And no really imposing offenses. Uh, I doubt Verlander's really available, but if he was somebody that you were playing with your 10 and 12 team mixed league and kind of going back and forth, do I buy back in? Oh, I'm nervous. I don't think there's any reason to be nervous. I'm fully starting him w- without any trouble. Where, where, where do you stand on Verlander right now? You know, you know something has definitely changed about his movement this year, and uh, it's really hard to put a finger on it because. Um, you know, the, the curveball isn't dropping as much as it used to, uh, and that might be a negative, except that, um, you know, he's, it's changed, right? And it's not what it used to be, and in this case, maybe that's good. And, you know, the horizontal movement on the, on the pitch has changed, too. So instead of being kind of a big, sweeping 12-6-er, to sixer, it's a little bit tighter. Um, mm-hmm. And the same could be said of his slider. So he's really kind of tightened up his breaking balls. And instead of, you know, going for maybe movement, uh, maybe this is helping him command it better. Um, and then, you know, he, he's kind of like in the same boat as, as CC, where I was saying at the beginning of the year that if you just took off the, the name off of the, um, off, of the, off of the stats, off the peripherals, you would say, you know, here's a guy with a, you know, 93-mile-an-hour, you know, four-seam with rise. That's good. Uh, a good change-up with uh, four inches of drop and three inches of fade. That's good. And, and a 10-degree gap. That's good. Uh, you know, good slider, good, you know, good curve and whiffs on the slider and change above average and the fastball. So, you know, I, I think it was a little bit about maybe him just figuring out what he needed to do to be successful with this kind of stuff. Because it's not, it's not the stuff that he had two or three years ago. And yet, you know, even last year with above average command, um, and the, and, and like, uh, about average whiffs, you know, he could have been better than he was. So I think, you know, we're getting a new Verlander. It's not quite the same as the old Verlander, but it, it's pretty good and it's in a good ballpark. So, you know, add that up with a good mix and, uh, I'm all, I'm on board. I mean, a good, a good schedule, you know, I'm on, I'm on board with him. Now the rest of our guys, the, uh, the rest of the way have a much better chance of being available, uh, save a couple. There, there's only a couple left on a list of about. I got 12 left here because I'm going to skip one of them. Actually, excuse me, 13 left, and I'm still skipping one. Jose Fernandez is on the list just because I was listing anybody who had a good schedule. He's not going to be available anywhere. You're going to automatically start him, but you should feel good that he's going to get Washington twice, once home, once away, Philly at Tampa at Philly. That's a great finish for Fernandez. It's really huge. Obviously, you probably overdrafted him if you have him on your team. Sorry. Uh, you shouldn't have done that. But at least you could close with a bang. And so if you are still in contention and you held on to Fernandez, that's going to work well. The rest of these guys, decent chance they're available in a couple leagues, save two of them that definitely won't be. But we're still going to talk about them. Mike Bolsinger's next on the list for the Dodgers. He's been inserted in the rotation. They've used like 500 guys. Um, I was surprised when they actually went away from him. He'd been doing some nice things for them when they made that uh, that three-team deal to get Wood and Latos. You know, getting those two I thought was was wise, uh, and I thought they were both going to improve the rotation for the Dodgers. I didn't think it was necessary, though, because I thought Bolsinger could, you know, keep covering a fifth spot all year. He'd been pitching pretty well. So um, 
obviously they have they've had to come back to him because Latos has been an absolute nightmare, and uh, Bolsinger rejoined the rotation just about a week ago, actually September fourth at San Diego, five innings, three runs, six strikeouts. You know, not overwhelming, but but passable. Um, 297 ERA in 94 innings for the season, 84 strikeouts. He's going to finish with at Arizona, home to Pittsburgh in Arizona, at San Francisco, and then home to San Diego. That's not a bad little setup there. I know some of those teams are are good. You know, Pittsburgh's obviously very good, but they're they're not led by an imposing offense. San Francisco's also pretty good, and their offense with rates very high on the season, but they've been in the dumps for about over a month now in terms of offensively. Plus it's in San Francisco and then Arizona, they've been froggy. Their offense is pretty good, but uh, it's not one that I'm, I'm terrified of. I, I would rather not go against it, particularly with a right-hander, but it's a situation where I would use at least the, the home start against Arizona. If I wasn't even, if I wasn't going to use the one at Arizona. So where do you stand with both singer of the Dodgers? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think there was a couple of names I liked a little bit better, but there aren't a lot more five uh, five star guys after him. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that's that's a guy that's what I like about him. What I don't like is that I'm just not sure that he's going to have all five starts because um, you know the the Dodgers might clinch that division early. Um, he might move to the bullpen at any given time. I mean he's 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 got kind of the arsenal of a of a bullpen guy. Uh, he's got mediocre velocity um and uh you know there's just uh there's just a whiff of risk around him and even then even when he's in in the rotation they seem to be treating him as a kind of two times through the lineup guy a five inning guy um so it'll be a little bit hard to get quality starts and wins out of him if that's what you if that's what you want but um you know, in terms of bulk, there's uh, there's not a lot that have a, a better uh, situation coming for them, and uh, you know those home starts are good for him, um, and even the away at, at San Francisco is good. So, um, you know, you know, not not as uh, I would rather have Tehran Verlander. I'd rather have a couple names after this, but it's uh, it's a decent name. Yeah, I, th- I think it's an all right name and, and definitely one you would have to monitor to get the five starts. Hopefully he does make it because I think those last two could be really nice in San Francisco and home to the uh, to the Padres. Next up is Taylor Youngman, who's a guy who's probably hitting some waiver wires now because he's fallen on some hard times. I still like a lot of what I've seen out of Youngman this year, uh, so I'd be willing to pick him up. He finishes at Pittsburgh, home to Cincy, at St. Louis, at San Diego. So, you know, again, a couple good teams in there. You know, playing in that division, you're going to run into quality teams. They got three of the best teams in the National League with Pittsburgh and St. Louis. But, again, those two teams aren't aren't built with overwhelming offenses that you have to be deathly afraid of. Plus, uh, Cincinnati, you know, they're not hitting well. I know that park can be tough, but I'm not necessarily all that worried about it in a one-off situation. Plus, he's, he's dominated uh, the Reds in a couple starts against them this year. So I like Youngman. Unfortunately, he pissed away a great opportunity in Miami, giving up six runs in three and two-thirds. So that's a, that was a bummer because you figured that was going to be a good start. But um, I, I would pick him up here for this four-pack because, like I said, I feel like after that start at Miami, he probably hit a bunch of waiver wires. What do you think, you know? Yeah, that, I mean – it's, that's what's so hard about this is because we're looking at this and saying he has good, you know, there, there are good matchups for him, but then he just had a good matchup and and, uh, and and didn't do it and did pretty poorly. And then you look at, you know, his peripherals like, you know, a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have given him much of a look. I mean, 
just the, with the average swinging strike rate, um, you know, history of bad command, uh, you know, below average uh, BABIP right now and, and, and above average strand rate. It just seems like a guy who's kind of uh, looking for regression, especially a guy who's giving up fewer than a, a homer for nine, uh, but calls Milwaukee home. So uh, some of the standard peripherals I, I'm not so uh, into. In terms of, you know, what he does when he's on the mound, uh, it's interesting to see that um, his changeup has, has lost a lot of velocity. Um, I mean, a lot. He's lost a mile and a half, a mile and a half plus in the last uh, last couple of games. Um, and uh, if that's a real adjustment, um, you know, it could be interesting to see um, how his usage, his usage ticked up in the last game too. So if he's actually going to start using that changeup, that makes him more of a legit three pitch guy. Uh, he's starting to use a sinker a little bit more too, so that that that's varying looks on people, and the curve. You know, if he buries it, um, you know he he does really well. Uh, I've got here. I've been doing a, some research on whiffs in and out of the zone, and uh, he gets uh, fourteen. He gets fifteen percent whiffs on uh, on swings inside the zone with a curveball, uh, which isn't great, but is still above average. Uh, but if he buries it. Uh, that curveball gets whiffs on half the pitches, uh, on half the swings that people take. So people have a real hard time with that curveball. It's it's a legit mm-hmm. pitch. It really and, is. And uh, you know, put that up against uh, some, you know, some good matchups. I might, you know, I might want to see what he does at Pittsburgh, and then uh, if he does okay there, pick him up for Cincinnati, St. Louis, and San Diego. That's fair. Uh, because that, that reduces your risk and gives you one more opportunity to see what he's doing, see what the changeup usage is like, uh, see if he uses more of it, um, and, and probably still puts you ahead of the curve. Because I don't even think that a great start against Pittsburgh makes everyone run to the wire to pick him up. No, I, I would agree there. So that, that, that is fair. I'm, I'm okay taking the risk beforehand. Um, but definitely if you, if you are a little bit concerned that maybe the Miami start was the start of, of, of a substantial backslide to the mid threes for his, for his bottom line ERA, that's going to be a few more beatings. So you'd have to be careful there, but I do like Taylor Youngman. Uh, next up is Bartolo Colon and he's an interesting case cause he could go one of, I've only got one of two ways listed. Honestly, it could be one of any number of ways because of the way they've got to jumble things. But this is just what we're going off of right now, mapping it out as is. Um, with the with the six man, he still could get five starts because they're kind of jumbling things around. It's not always a six man. So one way it could work out uh, is at Atlanta, home to Miami, home to Atlanta, at Cincinnati, home to Washington. That's nice for Cologne. That's five five starts, three of them against those two bottom feeders in his division, Miami and Atlanta, and then you know the one in Cincinnati. A little bit worrisome because he does give up homers in that park can can favor that. But again, that offense just isn't good, and who knows where Washington will be in that final series. However, the alternate route. Uh, takes him out of that final series against Washington. Let's say Washington tightens it up. And while I do feel they they have plenty of trust in Cologne, I think if they could avoid having him in that Washington series, they would. And in that case, he'd be looking at the Atlanta-Miami-Atlanta trio and then at Philly. So he'd only get four starts, but that last one would, would turn uh, into at Philly, which you'd still like. So cologne has been either – here's the thing with him lately. He's either great or awful. There's not really much in between. Uh, every once in a while he can be in between, but 
just using kind of game score, which uh, whether you're familiar with it, it's, it starts at 50 and it just kind of uses what happens to, to give you a score. Um, and Cologne has 11 game scores of 65 and six of 35 or worse. Uh, 11 game scores of 65 or better, I should say. And then six of 35 or worse. So those are really good starts on the 65 plus and then really awful starts on the 35 or worse. So it's a definite risk with Cologne because he can get smashed even by good teams. But I think this is one of the gambles I'd like to take because he's going to be available on the wire. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, as much as it seems uh, risky, I I guess what it is, is that he's doesn't have those other pitches. You know, he doesn't really throw, he, he barely throws anything but the fastballs these days. I mean, uh, for the year, he's something at like uh, 20% slider plus change usage, uh, maybe even less. So, you know, I, I think uh, some guys can handle the movement on his on his sinker. Some teams can handle the movement on his sinker mm-hmm. and his command of it. Or maybe some days his command isn't there because it's obvious that he's a bit of a risk for blow up. But um, I like that. I like all of those matchups. And... Uh, yeah, I think uh, they're going to fool around with the other guys. They're going to want to manage Thor's innings, too, and we haven't heard a lot about uh, Syndergaard sitting. Correct. So, you know, I think the five-star may be the most likely, especially since, you know, uh, the contract is up. And, and it's funny because Bartolo Colon wouldn't go to the bullpen in Oakland, um, even in, I think, the playoffs. But definitely down the stretch, they were talking to him about that, and he wouldn't do it. Uh, he wouldn't go to the uh, bullpen in Boston. I know for that for sure. Uh, that was a big deal. And he's actually had one appearance out of the bullpen for New York. So, you know, maybe Terry, and ha- Terry has his number somehow. And then, um, you know, since his contract is up and you have this bullpen piece, I think you might just use Cologne a ton and, you know, piggyback him with Mats in the playoffs so that your playoff rotation is, um, you know, DeGrom. I don't know where Harvey, you know, I don't know how Harvey fits in. But sure. DeGrom, uh, Thor, um uh, Cologne with Mats as like the kind of piggyback or or Mats as a fourth starter. So I, I think Cologne is the guy you just ride. You know, that team just needs to, you know, win more than half of its games the rest of the way to, to make it in the playoffs. And uh, Cologne is going to win you more than half those games. So I think he's going to get the five-star uh, schedule, be one of the rare five-star guys that's left, and uh, and be a guy a good guy to pick up. And you can you can manage him. I mean, if you think Cincinnati's rolling by the time he gets to Cincinnati, then you then you sit him. But two games against Atlanta, my God, that's love that. That's that's just great. The, and and he was somebody that I was looking at this year because of that division, and particularly because of Atlanta and Miami. And he's gotten Atlanta uh, three different times already, and he's gotten Miami five different times. And only one of those starts did he allow more than three earned runs. And it was four at Miami back on April 29th. So it, it's worked out. If if you managed him, like you said, if you managed him all year, you're doing pretty well because even the, the blowups, you probably didn't get most of them. You certainly didn't start him in, in Toronto or in Colorado, probably yeah. not uh, against St. Louis either time. Again, I said they don't have a overwhelmingly punishing offense, but I still think a guy like Cologne, you're saying, no, no, thanks. I, I, I won't mess with it. And they crushed him two different times. The one, you probably did take were San Diego uh, that was at home he gave up six runs and two and a third and then the one against Milwaukee because that was mid-May and by that time it pretty much seemed like they did suck 
And so you probably took the, the – and it was at home too, so it wasn't even in Miller Park. So you probably took the five earned in five innings. But yeah, if, you, if you've been managing Cologne properly, you're good to go. You got way better than the 418 ERA that he has this year, and you're looking to uh, push it down even further with, these, with, with whatever finale he has set up because, like I said, those first three are where it's at. Miami once and Atlanta twice, and we'll see how it finishes from there. Let's stick in that division because, like I said, it could be rich for some of these uh, situations here that we're going to want to jump on. And the next one is a guy who, again, could have some availability here. Definitely going to be more available in your shallower mixed leagues. Um, and also a tough case, though, you know, as I'm sure you're going to jump on because of the fact that he's so young. It's Aaron Nola uh, for, for Philadelphia. He's been pitching – pretty well since coming up, you know, way more good than bad. Couple, couple knockarounds, but for the most part, really, really solid. 356 ERA, 114 whip in 60 and two thirds innings, 51 strikeouts. He's not expected to be at some strikeout per inning guys. So 51 in, in about 61 innings, isn't too bad. Uh, like what I've seen out of Nola, he could close with Washington at Atlanta at Washington and Miami. So all divisional, and yeah, you, you 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 can worry about Washington sometimes because they they have talent, but they have not played up to that talent pretty much at all this year. So it, it's not that scary. Plus, you've got the Miami and Atlanta pieces there. So I like Nola as a pickup as well. Yeah, Nola's I think got great stuff actually. All of his pitches have great sync, um, and he looks like the kind of guy who has um, good command. I mean, it's just. The more I, I research command and the more I get into it, the more I'm like, this is so impossible. But, I, you know, from what from what I, you know, what it looks like when you watch him, he, the most part has good command. He's had the good walk rates that you might associate with that. Um, and even though the strikeout rate isn't quite superlative at seven and a half per nine, it's, it's decent. You know, it's representative, 21 percent. Also, that kind of uh, misrepresents a little bit because his walk rate is good. So. Uh, if you, you you go over to the percentage, you know, 21% is league average a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, for, for a starter, he's doing pretty good. And, um, you know, I, I like him next year, too. I like him Me too. Uh, to be better than the projections. Like the rest of your projections for him right now are pretty terrible. And I don't really think he needs to give up. You know, Zips has him a 4.86 ERA with a 1.38 home runs per nine. I just I don't. I know where he pitches, and I know he doesn't have uh, a superlative fastball. In fact, at 90.4, it's it's uh, a little bit below average. It's about a mile below average. But I just don't think that he's going to continue to give up homers, even as bad as he's given them up. And I don't think he's going to be worse. So, um, you know, if you if you change that to like 0.9 homers per nine the rest of the way, all those numbers become much more manageable. Become more like three sevens, uh, three sixes, three sevens, uh, 1.2 WHIP. That kind of stuff is is honestly about the best you're going to get off the waiver wire right now. Yeah. Uh, Washington is a hill hit or miss. I mean, if Rendon is hitting. Um, yeah, they, they can definitely be scary. Maybe you skip the one in Washington or something. And I know that yeah. Philly's the worst park, but I'd rather have a guy pitching at home. I, I can I can get that. You If they got super hot or something, you might want to be careful. But right now, yeah, they're, just, honestly, they're just not scaring me. I love him to death as a streamer against at Atlanta and versus Miami. Um, those are good enough starts for me that I'd almost, you know, I'd almost risk uh, rostering him just for those two starts because 
he is such a good streamer that you know everybody's going to pick him up for those starts. So you may have to roster him even if you only want to start him twice. But uh, there are a lot of uh, situations where that makes sense. Deep benches, um, you know, there's all sorts of leagues where that makes a little bit of sense. But, um, you know, in terms of standout starts, Nola at Atlanta and versus Miami is I would take him over any of the Youngman starts. I'd probably take him over any of the Cologne starts, uh, honestly, uh, in those two starts alone. Um, just because he's going to strike out more batters and just has, I just think, more upside. Cologne's more of a steady Eddie guy that's going to, uh, you know, give up a couple of earned runs and, and have a few strikeouts and be okay, you know? So uh, I take Nola, I take those two Nola starts or anything is going to do. Um, so it's a question of, like, whether you want those two standout starts and you want, you need, you need like, just really good starts, or if you want the innings, then you, then a guy like Bolsinger and his five starts becomes more interesting, Cologne becomes Yes. Are you, are you curating to get the best possible starts to to move that ERA as much as you can with, uh, you know, even though we're late? Or are you saying I need K's, I need some W's, things like that, because then Cologne and Bolsinger are on contending teams become much more appealing. So, yeah, these, these are going to vary from uh, league to league, how well you want to use them. So keep that in mind as well. Let's jump out to San Francisco because they, they've proven rich for this. Uh, first off, outside of Bumgarner, they just don't have a lot of overwhelmingly desirable must starts in terms of uh, shallower mixed leagues. So it leaves these guys relatively available. And then they got three guys who set up with some pretty decent matchups coming down the line. Uh, Mike Leak, Chris Heston, and Jake Peavy. We'll start with Leak. He's got San Diego and Arizona at home, uh, out to Oakland, and then home against the Dodgers. So the, the opposition – Again, could be a little bit tough with the Dodgers in Arizona. They're not they're not cakewalks, but three of his games are in San Francisco, which you love, and the fourth is in Oakland. So you're not going to get any better on the ballpark, that's for sure. Um, I, I like Mike Leak here. He's been having a pretty good season overall. The big issue has been really uh, some health uh, that, that kind of – stalled him a little bit uh, his last start out was in Arizona and he got knocked around but I still like this setup maybe I skip the Arizona start if I'm that worried about it but it is at home and then go with the other three but either way if leaks out there I think I'm trying to get him and he's only 52% owned at ESPN so in, in mixed leagues which is what we're talking about here he is going to be available yeah um, I think I think it's a good one I think he'll actually make those starts I think um you know I think for one I think San Francisco Francisco is, is coming up close to, you know, information gathering time. They're, I think they're a little bit more interested in knowing about whether or not they want to re-sign Leak than they are in, you know, necessarily competing. I mean, I, they're going to compete. But uh, I think we're going to see, and this is relevant to the Heston piece, they're already talking about Heston uh, sitting because he hasn't been looking as good recently. They're, they're worried he's tired. Um, that and, makes sense. You know, and not that he ha- doesn't have the innings, but, it, you know, I think the big league schedule and and the big big league innings are much more stressful than minor league ones. So um, I could see Heston kind of running into a bit of a wall. So, you know, maybe the last couple starts he doesn't make, maybe, you know, somebody like a Blackburn comes up and they do actually get to see some some young guys. But they're so far out of it right now that, um, you know, their, their percentage points are, are dropping precipitously. On the other hand, Leak is a guy who's, 
made all these pitches before, you know, made, you know, pitched in the major leagues for so long, never pitched in the minor leagues even. And I, so I, I think they'd been, they'd still, there's still some information to be gathered there is, you know, how much of a, of a part of the team is he going to be next year? And I think uh, for what it's worth, Peavy might be in the same boat. I mean, I think his contract is up too. Let me see on Peavy. I think you might actually be right on that one. Uh, well, they, they have but, some decisions to make about that, about that uh, rotation next year and, and who's going to be in it. Uh, what they're going to spend. No, they got him through next year. They have PV through 2016. Okay, so well then, then I think PV is a bit of a risk for being sat down because uh, he's had them healthy. He's had the health issues, and they got him for another year. But uh, Leak, on the other hand, you know they need somebody to to actually start those innings, and then they also want to know if they want to resign him because they they're in the they're in the seat for resigning him. And actually, this is this is the guy I was thinking about recently. I said there were a couple guys that got traded at the trade deadline that. Uh, the this, the outgoing stuff might have been worth uh, less than what they might get. So, for example, uh, Leak they can give him the qualifying offer. I think Leak is worth fourteen million dollars for one year. And I think that's uh, fair. And if you give Leak the qualifying offer and he leaves, then you get um, then you get a, a piece that's in the first round, which might be just as good as the guy that gave up Curry Mel- Mela. So yeah, and Adam uh, Duvall. Adam Duvall and Kerry Mayla, yeah. you know, not going to Adam be... Duvall is, is like organizational filler for me. So, um, yeah, so I think that was a good trade on their part was, you know, stay in the race, get a guy, and then get the inside track on re-signing him. So they're going to they're gonna want to watch him and see what's going on. Those are great matchups. If league is on your waiver wire, um, I like him better, just especially with the high floor aspect. Um, you know, I think he's less risky than a lot of the other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and the matchups are, are really good. Um except for maybe the Dodgers at the end. Um, at least Arizona's at home. So uh, I like uh, I like him better than everybody not named Teron or Verlander. Yeah, I think so too. In terms of the guys that you can get, uh, I think I would like Leak best. I think he's most likely to be uh, the, the best guy available for sure. Because again, Verlander, Teron, probably not too widely available, but if they are, go get them. Good note on Heston with regards to his innings. Uh, I will mention Cincy at San Diego, at Oakland, Colorado for him. For PV, it's Cincy at San Diego, home to the Dodgers, and home to Colorado for him. So, But also a candidate to be shut down because they have him for next year, so that's also a good point by you. So you'd have to monitor it with Heston and PV. You couldn't bank on those last two starts. But uh, Leak, I think, is somebody who will run out the string, again, unless that hamstring flares up again. Next up uh, are the two guys left on the list that aren't going to be terribly available, but uh, just want to mention them because they do have favorable setups. And one of the guys, the first guy that we're going to talk about uh, is Lance Lynn, somebody who uh, struggled recently. Obviously got, got crushed by the Cubs, what, just, just a couple days ago. So if you're, if you're concerned about that, uh, he had a recent outing, I guess it was a couple weeks ago at, at Pittsburgh, I believe. Um, they knocked him around too. So, you know, a couple of signature ugly starts recently might have you concerned about Lance Lynn. But even with those, he's still having a, a pretty darn good season overall. Um, yeah, I'm looking at now 90% owned at ESPN. So not somebody that you're going to have on the wire. But if you were worried about, about him and, and thinking you were going to sit him, I think I'd reconsider because he is looking at a five-start setup. He's got at Cincy, at Chicago, that's the Cubs, uh, home to Cincy, at Pittsburgh, and at, at Atlanta. Um, you know, he, he has a couple of duds recently, 
But that just kind of seems to be what Lynn does. There's not usually rhyme or reason to his blowups, and he almost always responds uh, from a blowup with with a quality start the next time out. Uh, actually, I'm using that term loosely, not not necessarily saying six and three, six innings, three three hundred runs or fewer, but generally. A, he bounces back, Lynn does, with a good start after getting rocked. So I'm not really that worried, even with his last start being a bad one. He's somebody I would keep in my lineup down the stretch. What about you, Eno? Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, I think he's not available, honestly. No, no, and... not, not available. It's more of, that for, for him specifically and the next guy, it's more of a start-sit because that he could be somebody that somebody's considering benching in a 10 or 12 team mixer. And I think he needs to be started. Yeah. I'd, I'd start him all the way. Um, you know, he did, he rolled that ankle on a play. I think I was actually at the game and, um, and uh, he's been a little ginger on that ankle, but it's not, uh, it was just basically a, a, a sprained ankle. So I don't think of it as um, something that's going to really stick around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, you know, not like a, a high ankle sprain that uh, you know I'm like 12 weeks out of one and still feel a little bit. Ne- next guy is is his teammate there, and it's John Lackey. Again, not a guy that you're going and picking up, but somebody that you probably debated throughout the season in your mix league. Like, well, do I start him? His numbers are really good, but you know don't have a lot of confidence in him. Obviously, if that was the case, you missed out because he's maintained. Uh, you know, great numbers all season long. He's been under three ERA since early July and, and, and held that. So um, if you are worried, you know, then go, I, I say, don't be, I say, go ahead and go forward with him, put him in your lineup, put John Lackey in your lineup and not worry about it too much. He's got at Cincy at Milwaukee and then home against both of those teams. And he finishes at Atlanta. Um, I wouldn't be all that worried. He has been better at home than on the road, but uh, not some unusable on the road. Uh, if you are concerned about that, I guess I guess you'd be streaming him only at home. But uh, I'd be comfortable enough using him. I, th- I think Lackey's solid. He's not going to overwhelm. Doesn't you know have the huge strikeout totals or anything like that. But if you, if you're just chasing volume and need innings and as many strikeouts as you can get and hopefully some W's, I think Lackey's someone that's probably getting into every mixed league lineup right now, even ten team mixers. Yeah, I might sit him at Milwaukee. Um, at Cincinnati is a little bit uh, iffy for me, but I would keep him around because that that's a solid uh, way to end the season. Home against Cincy, home against Milwaukee, and then at Atlanta is just a really nice uh, threesome there. Um, in terms of you know what they're going to do with him for the last start of his season, uh, that's going to be a little bit iffy because the Cardinals are running away with it. Sure. Uh, and uh, they may do some finagling to to uh, you know to get and also these sets I think the Cardinals in particular are not set in stone because they've got a guy Carlos Martinez that you know they may skip um, and, and try to manage those innings so there there's a little bit of flux in those in those numbers and mm-hmm. but at least you know when you think about their divisional opponents you look at their opponents up and down there's nothing that really scares you except for the, maybe the series at Milwaukee. Um, so, you know, the Cardinals are, are safe. You know, I was looking at the, um, at the Rangers and Mariners and they're, you know, they're, they've got some nice matchups in that they, they both play, you know, I think, well, I'm not sure that the, uh, Mariners play Oakland, but, um, you know, the, the Mariners play at home, uh, some and, uh, and the Rangers play, um, 
you know, in Oakland and versus Oakland. So those are some there's so there's some really nice streaming options uh, for the Texas guys. Like, um, you know, even uh, Martin Perez, who I don't really love, and Colby Lewis, they both have two starts against either Seattle or, or Oakland, the two of those, you know. So there's some good streaming options there. But in terms of, like, you know, favorable schedule between the, you know, the Mariners and the Rangers, the only one I could really find was Yoga. Uh, Gallardo um, somehow misses some of the – he misses one Houston series. So instead of having two games against Houston, which most of the other uh, Rangers have, uh, Yoga gets versus Oakland, versus Houston, at Oakland, and then versus Detroit. So um, set up pretty nicely. Yeah, that's pretty nice. I think. I think, uh, and that versus Detroit is getting near the end of the season. Exactly. Where Victor Martinez might not be in that lineup. Miggy uh, might not even. Miggy I mean, might, yeah. you know, I, I was going to say the same thing. Even though Detroit is, is still rating very highly overall, the team could just be kind of a shell of itself in that final. Se- I, I think that's the final series. It might not be. Um, but I, I, I know, like you said, it's definitely toward the end, and it would be Gallardo's last start. It could be a little bit more of a favorite. Yeah, it's the second to last series for them. The Tigers actually finish up in Chicago against the White Sox. So, uh, yeah, you know, at least be Mart, but maybe catch it on a day where one of Victor, or excuse me, Victor maybe be sitting, and then one of J.D. Martinez and Miguel Cabrera is also sitting. Then all of a sudden you feel really great about that start for Gallardo. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, another another series, uh, another series of, uh, of games that's okay um, is uh, Taiwan Walker. Um, he, he's got uh, Colorado at Texas, at Angels, at Houston. It's just up or down, um, but um, you know, there's there's something there. He's a, he's a better pitcher than some of the guys we've named. But the, the, my favorite uh, schedule that I ran into, um, and I did the Nationals too. My this is a great one. This is so really good. good. If he's on your fire, so this good. might be the this might be the best one so far. Gio Gonzalez at Miami, at Philly, versus Baltimore, versus Philly. And uh, a chance for one more at the end, uh, given, you know, to, to, depending on how they, they use them. So mm-hmm. um, that's a really nice schedule. If he gets to five, it's maybe the best. Of course, he's one of the more owned guys, too. But Yeah, uh, it's good. more likely right another, another situation where, you know, um, guys – bumping in between the reserve roster and their starting lineup. Definitely mm-hmm. want to get him back in the lineup. But I do think there are going to be some situations where even in active leagues, he's going to be on the wire because he's got a 396 ERA and a 145 whip and not even the strikeout per inning that we're used to. So it hasn't been, you know, he's got name value right now that likely has him still on a lot of teams, but I would not be surprised or, or make fun of a league where he was on the waiver wire. If you're talking about a 10 or 12 team mixed league situation where somebody just got fed up with Gio Gonzalez and said, you know what? I got to move on. He's killing me. Uh, particularly in whip the ERA, you can, you can manage around a 396, but a 145 whip is disgusting. He's got a chance to close with a bang though. That, that is a, that is a really hot slate there that you, that you pulled up for him with the uh, double Philly at Miami and Baltimore, Baltimore, you know, quality team solid team overall 
but uh, hasn't been kind of the juggernaut that we're used to, especially offensively. I believe they're actually much worse against lefties this year than righties. So that sets up, that's even a good matchup too, even though, you know, if you're eyeballing them, you might think, okay, well, that's the one bad matchup. That one's a good one too. I'm looking at it now. They're 25th are the Orioles uh, in WRC plus against lefties. So it doesn't it, get much it, better than that. If the series, you know, it, the last game that he might get is against the Mets. That's up or down, but the way things are right now, those might be meaningless games. That's true. Know? And That's true. all of a sudden, uh, Gio's playing the string out. It, that might also mean he sits. That's he's a veteran, um, and and you know those if those become laughers uh, by, by virtue of what happens between now and then, um, then he may not start, which is a risk for a lot of these guys. I mean, even Taiwan Walker, um, who who has a a possibility of, of pitching near the you know on the last day or so, um, you know he could get shut down, you know completely. So yeah. uh, you know oh some God. a lot of these a lot of these matchups are you know th- there's you so that? much that's not written in stone. But yeah, did, did you hear that thunder? Oh my gosh, you 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 about to get rained on? I, I yeah, I just scared the living shit. <laughs> I love the South, man. It's so scary. <laughs> it's like, it, this is the prime season. All right, you know, let's switch over to the unfavorables. And it's a, it's a much smaller list, much tighter list here. And these are guys that uh, you could consider just flat out cutting. And again, we're talking more of a mixed league situation. In only leagues, you probably got to keep them. Oddly enough, they're all in the American League. I just actually noticed that. So uh, NL only leaguers. <laughs> You can just go to sleep on this one and, and, and catch up with us in a few minutes. But um, these guys, it's not looking good for them. And it starts with Kevin Gaussman, somebody I really do like. But it's it, it's not a good situation for him to finish home to Boston, at Tampa Bay, at Boston, and home to Toronto. Yeah, it's like one game you really want to start him. Yeah, exactly. One. Uh, and then the, the three that you – almost most scared of right now. Boston's offense has been out of their minds and Toronto is an automatic sit for most guys. Obviously I was talking crazy earlier saying I, I might start Tehran there uh, or uh, home against Toronto, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't mess with the Gaussman against Toronto uh, in that same vein. His teammate uh, Wei Yin Chen has home to KC at Tampa Bay at Washington and home to Toronto. That's an even worse slate because Tampa Bay is actually good against lefties. So there's no start that you really want on that one. Would you just cut these guys outright in 10 and 12 team mixers? Yeah, I mean, Gaussman, I like that he's been throwing the curveball a little bit more, a little bit more as the season gone on. So there's a little bit, a little bit of chance still that the curve is the is the thing that makes him useful next year. Uh, I might buy him for a buck or two in mixed leagues and maybe maybe a buck or two more in, in onlys next year. Uh, but for this postseason schedule, and honestly, you know what I was what I was just saying about you know how Lynn and Lackey's uh, schedules are up in the air, and even a guy like Tywan Walker, or Gio Gonzalez, depending on what happens to the teams, um, you know you can do a little bit of just squinting and looking at the schedules by team uh, to get a better sense. So you, your next one on there is Wei Yin Chen, and uh, that seems like the best. Case scenario for Gossman if things got turned around or moved around or whatever. And Chen's are uh, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Washington, Toronto. And that's not an ideal uh, grouping either. So, um, you know, there's even if things got moved around in Baltimore, I doubt that I really want a Baltimore, a fringe Baltimore pitcher right now, Tillman included. 
Yeah, and that that's the situation that that they have with that lineup. I like some of those guys. They they they've been interesting. I'm a huge Gossman fan long term, but uh, I think the, the the run ends here of of starts where I really want to use him because he can be prone to the blow up, and then for Chen he can be prone to the homer. And, and that can send an outing sideways in an instant. Either way, if you're going to linger with these two guys, that's fine. But you're going to end up cutting them before the end of the year because they both finish with Toronto. And you don't want any <laughs> part of that. Next guy is uh, also kind of a tough one because he's actually starting to pitch, you know, kind of kind of well lately. He, he got a demotion that didn't last as long as they probably wanted when uh, Kansas City sent down Jordano Ventura. But uh, injury forced him back up. Pretty quickly. I think he was down for the minimum, which is 10 days, maybe a couple of days extra than that. But since he's gotten back, he's been, like I said, been pretty good, about a mid-3 ZRA uh, over his last eight starts covering August and September. But got a sharp home road split where Ventura has a 379 ERA at home and a 503 on the road, including 9.9 strikeouts at home and 6.9 on the road. So big skills change too, not just a venue change. And he goes at Baltimore, at Detroit, home to Seattle, at the White Sox, at Minnesota. So four on the road. Some of them are actually dangerous. You know, I mentioned Baltimore, not as dangerous against lefties, but they're still dangerous against righties, particularly at home. That Detroit team still hitting. Uh, if, if some of the guys come out of the lineup, okay, then you can reconsider. White Sox, no good. Twins, hit and miss, but not someone you really want to face. And again, four on the road. So he only has the one desirable start, home against Seattle. And it's not even that desirable because the Mariners aren't too bad against righties. You'd actually prefer them uh, with a lefty and at their home ballpark anyway, as opposed to on the road against a right-hander. So Jordano Ventura, I think you can move on from him. Obviously, if you're in a keeper league, you gotta you got to have that consideration because he is just 24 years old and a young, promising arm. But if we're talking redraft, mixed league, I think you can cut him. What do you think about Jordano Ventura? Uh, you know, this guy and the next guy are the ones that um, I, I pause that a little bit. They aren't good schedules, but they're good pitchers uh, for the most part. Ventura, I definitely don't want to start him the next two at Baltimore, at Detroit. Uh, but it's kind of that Seattle White Sox Minnesota ending is kind of sexy. You so, like that? Uh, oh, my my only concern is the road work. If it, if it was two home and one road, it, he might not have even made the list. Um, but yeah. the fact that he's got four of these at, on on the road are uh, I guess is where I get concerned. Minnesota's a better hitting team than uh, than I think of, you know, because they have uh, called up a, a, a couple guys and, exactly. and are hitting better. Sano's a little bit scary, so maybe I don't give them enough credit. But at least that's a, a good hitters, a good pitcher's park in Minnesota. So uh, it is on the road, but it is in a pitcher's park. I don't know. I, I don't mind that last three uh, out of Ventura, but it does require you to sit him twice to get there. Um, and so if you need to stream, um, you know, you might get there. And the next, the next guy on the list, we got Luis Severino. And that's uh, that's tough for me, man. I, I, that was I, up in the air. There's two, the two Toronto. You got Toronto at Tampa, at Toronto, Chicago, Boston. That's a really bad uh, thing. But uh, he just got banged today. Uh, he was supposed to oh. pitch today. So oh, okay. What, uh, what happened there? Just for fun? Uh, rain out. Oh. It's a rain oh, out. Oh, rain out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that first Toronto one. So what are they? You know, well, they, they could use that. I don't know what happens. I mean, he, he might pitch in the doubleheader, which is going to be Saturday. But that well, yeah, does, I was uh, going to say, they could. change some of the 
the schedule. Use it as a, uh, they could use it as a reason to, to try to maneuver him. Um, I doubt, you know, they're not going to skip the, the series entirely. I think you're still going to have to face Toronto, Toronto. But um, if they move him, like you said, to Saturday uh, or, or even Sunday, just you know, finagle to get him a couple extra days, he might miss the second Toronto. I, I, I didn't work out the logistics of that because I didn't know the game was canceled uh, when I was looking through this. So if he got pushed back... There's also... I mean, there's also the other thing, which is that it's possible that he's good enough to pitch in bad games. Well, he's already he's already had a decent game against Toronto. I mean, Luis Severino's very good. I, I would have a really yeah. hard time cutting him. I don't think there's he's any probably, way... He's the best. He's the best pitcher on the bad list. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So he's the one. He's the one I would not cut. I'm just yeah. nervous. I brought him up because it's it's nervous. He had a baseline quality start, six innings, three runs in Toronto with nine strikeouts, though a, a career high so far in his six starts. So you know he stood up well in Toronto already. Um, his first start was against Boston. They weren't quite clicking the way they are right now. And he, he gave up one earned in five innings with seven strikeouts. Hasn't really faced any tough offenses outside of that. He's gotten Cleveland twice at Atlanta and home to Tampa Bay. And he's handled all, all of them, uh, quite easily. So again, not somebody I'm cutting, just kind of keeping an eye on if they, you know, like I said, he's not going to miss this Toronto series. So you are going to get the double Toronto. But uh, maybe if they pushed him back, if they use this as an opportunity to push him back all the way to Sunday just to get him some extra rest, I think then he would miss the second Toronto series. So no, they, they they already announced he's starting Friday. So oh okay, it's so like, just uh, one, it's like one day the back. schedule right, but uh, it's it's just how much you can stomach risk. I mean, there's obvious there's an obvious upside play here, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, All right, uh, next on the list is Jesse Chavez, and I think he's another one that's kind of a pretty easy cut. When you're looking at Chavez, it's it's a sharp home road split. He's he's been made by that ballpark, you know, made palatable. Uh, he's not he's got okay skills on the road, but the ERA is just through the roof. A 5.72 ERA in 50 innings. Actually, it's a weird home road split in terms of volume. 100 innings at home, 50 on the road. 100 innings of 3.40 ERA at home. You like using him there as a streamer, but only two of his five remaining starts are at home, and they come against Texas and San Francisco. I mentioned that San Francisco is not hitting as well as we've seen uh, them hit all year, but they're obviously still scary because they, they can still get it done. Texas, not a team you really want to mess with. Plus three on the road, I think I'm done with Chavez. I've actually been done with Chavez uh, for a while now because – I just don't think he can hold up to the rigors of a, of, a, of a full season as a starter. And I think we've seen that because all of his bad starts, or, or most of them, have come in the second half. And, in fact, he has a 572 second-half ERA after a 340 before the All-Star break. So I was, I've been out on Chavez for a while, but if you were still hanging on, I think now you can safely uh, move on and just cut him. Yeah, he's a borderline guy. He, he's got homeritis, so he sometimes hangs that curveball. Uh, and the homers just come, you know, a little bit more often here in the late season. So uh, he, he, even just in terms of skills and, and, and you know, pitch mix, velocity, everything is, is pretty marginal. Uh, I mean, he's he, I think he's a great find for Oakland in that uh, he's managed to, you know, go in between relieving and he's been an asset. And he's oh, absolutely. Uh, what's that? No, I, absolutely, he's been a he's been a solid yeah. really good asset for for sure. Yeah, it's just uh, in terms of fantasy, he's just one of those guys that doesn't really uh, doesn't really fit in. Um, 
you know, you know, back to the point about uh, how much the, the, you know, how the season's getting tight and the schedules are going to change and stuff. I mean, this is the point where you have to be a little bit more, I mean, that it also goes to Luis Severino. You have to be a little bit more uh, cutthroat at this point. I mean, there are some waiver periods that are going to take away. Like if you drop a guy to waivers and you have weekly waivers in your league, uh, even if somebody wins a guy from you, then they're only going to get like two or three weeks out of him. So um, even if you made the wrong decision, uh, it's not going to hurt you as bad as it would early in the season. Um, you know, I was thinking about this in terms of, you know, when we were talking about uh, September call-ups in the last one, don't save your, your FAAB, uh, your free agency auction budget for the for September in any way, because for every Corey Seager, there are 30 guys that, you know, don't nothing. do anything for Not you. playing, exactly. Uh, and and if you don't win that guy, then you then you save that money for nothing. And, so, and we didn't uh, even know if he was going to get the time. I mean, obviously, we, we said he was somebody you have to go after just because that, that upside is there for him to be great. But we didn't even know if he'd get the playing time. So he was even a scary proposition himself. You brought up an interesting point when we were talking about it offline. Uh, in, in the vein of being cutthroat here and making decisions that might feel a little bit tough because you're cutting somebody with name value, what about a situation like Jonathan Lucroy has already had a lost season but uh, was you know maybe starting to come out of it a little bit. You, you kind of want to milk whatever you can out of him. Now he's got a concussion situation. Another tough part of the end game is – they're not necessarily going to put a guy on the DL because they don't always have to. This could, this might as well be a season ender in some instances, right? There's going to be some of these injuries that we see that just say still out of the lineup, and then they just never come back, right? And you think the Lucroy injury could be one of those that is, at all intents and purposes, a season ender, even though they might not DL him. Yeah, especially on a team that's out of it. I mean, Lucroy is an important part of that team going forward. You know, concussions are finicky. He hasn't had a great season. There are other catchers out there uh, that are healthy and are playing right now. And, you know, Milwaukee could easily shut him down. You know, it gets a little bit harder with a guy like Corey Kluber's hamstring. How many starts does he have left? They're probably worth it when he's yeah, in there. Yeah, can't, can't cut uh, him, obviously. You're just you're nervous on somebody yeah. like, a, like a Kluber. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Victor Martinez, the the – What's keeping him out is nominally a sinus infection, but there are a lot of leagues where I have him right now on the waiver wire, and I, I can't blame him because really right now the best thing he's going to do for you is batting average, even if he goes back to his old ways. And you know, three weeks of a batting average help is only uh, really worth it in maybe head to head. Yep, uh, it's a good call. You know, Justin Upton's toenails. Uh, you know, who knows where to go with that one? <laughs> Pablo Sandoval's uh, back also- could be a situation. Yonder Alonso just got shut down, and uh, not that you only Yonder Alonso, but it brings up two two guys I did want to mention, which was um, Will Myers is now uh, playing, you know, pretty much every day between center field and uh, and um, first base. Uh, in first base, so An interesting combo, by the way. Yeah. We need you to play shortstop so. and left field. So I like uh, I like Myers as a pickup for for you know one B O F if you need that and and in general this was my lead into liking um, especially in head to head or uh, leagues where you really want to get all the games played that you can uh, I like these kind of multi eligibility guys that can help you out at, at multiple positions and um, you know there's some guys who are on the on the periphery Daniel Murphy uh, you know San, if he's San Diego owned, has uh, another don't they San Diego has a second one that you really like Yeah, it was the Solarte which uh, you know I may like him better 
than Murphy and Harrison, but he's right in that mold of where uh, you get three or four eligibilities out of him. Um, you know, Jed Jerko is now a shortstop. Uh, he's not a great bat or anything, but, you know, to get a few more ABs and a chance at, um, Especially at a uh, power. Yeah, exactly. At a home run out of, out of your shortstop position or something. Uh, Wilmer Flores, uh, you know, middle eligibility. Brock Holt is everywhere. You know, it's, it's hard to see exactly what he'll give you in a short thing, but just it's here or there. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, if you want, if you want steals, um, you know, from random places in your lineup, uh, you know, that's, that's a good one. Marwin Gonzalez has a little bit of pop, a little bit of batting average. So uh, I like having one of these guys on your, on your league, uh, on your, you know, even Dustin Turner's being dropped. And um, I like having one of these guys on your bench now. I don't necessarily like it all season, but now is the part of the season where Justin Upton's toenails uh, are enough of a reason for him to stay out of the lineup. Um, hey, toenails and- are a huge deal. <laughs> so, you know, having a guy like Odebell, uh, Doobie, Doobie Herrera. Doobie Herrera, uh, that's a great name. Even Brad Miller, he, he's starting semi-regularly. It's a guy, uh, guys that are in the lineup more often than not so that you can plug them in um, when, there's a, when there's another guy uh, that's hurt in your roster. I think that can be very useful down the stretch. No, it's a great point, and it's especially important when tied to that that point about being cutthroat because that's really hard to do. Uh, I struggle with it. I, I struggle with cutting guys that I know are, are, are better talents, but there's only three weeks left, Paul. It's like, let them go. They're not going to be able to do whatever you think they can do. Just get this hot hand right now and, and go with it. So I think that's a great point. We will talk about those kinds of guys on those injuries. We'll, we'll point out the ones going forward for the rest of the season here. The ones that we think could end up being some of those uh, season enders, even if it's not declared as such out front. And, and right now we're concerned that Jonathan Lucroy's concussion situation could just end up being a season ender because they say, you know what, just forget it and, uh, and pack it up. It's been a, it's been a busted season. You closed on a high note. His last 25 games or so uh, were pretty good for Lucroy, and they might just pack it in because they've still got him uh, for at least a couple years, I think. I want to say – no, actually just next year. So, oh, at team option for 17. So, yeah, possibly a couple of years, and they want to protect that asset. He's only $5.25 million on that option at age 31. It would take a pretty awful season next year for them not to want to pick that up. So, all right, you know, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Um, I know that we do have baseball left, but there's another sport starting tonight. And I'm sure people are going to want to listen to this <laughs> at halftime uh, of that of that other sport getting going. But uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, everyone listening is fighting for something in their leagues. But even if you're not. Maybe we'll talk about some some best keepers next week uh, in one of the two episodes. The, the best guys to go get, not just the, the best overall guys. We know that they're the best keepers, but the guys who are likely to be cheap. Maybe we'll do something like that. Uh, try or to borderline keeper decisions. Let us, let us know what you what you want out of yeah, us last few something. weeks because there's another we, – we can do more streaming type stuff like we could talk about um, you know streaming for steals, uh, streaming for power, um, you know – you know, guys that are going to be on your on your waiver that might be able to help you a little bit here or there. That that stuff we can do. Or um, if you have keeper decisions that do before the end of the year, that's interesting. Uh, so just let us know what you'd like out of us for the uh, the last couple of weeks. Absolutely, yeah. Hit us on Twitter at Spore at Enosaris E N O S A R R I S. My name S P O R E R. 
if you've got ideas, send them. We're, we're very interested. It's, it's, uh, we want to give you guys something that's useful to you uh, for the remainder of the season. Otherwise, you know, Jason, I'll be back on Sunday. I hope you have a great weekend, and we'll talk Tuesday. Yes, yes.